This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're joined today by Dr. Gregory Shea, an adjunct professor of management here at Wharton, and business writer Robert Gunther, who have collaborated on a book called Your Job Survival Guide, a manual for thriving and change. Their book lays out strategies for having a successful and even happy career in an increasingly turbulent economy that requires companies and employees to be able to constantly redefine themselves. Greg, Robert, thanks for being here. Robert, tell us a bit about Greg's whitewater comment that you write led to your collaboration on the book. Well, I was sitting in a classroom, actually, at the Wharton School and um, listening to Greg speak. And he was talking about um, in changing environments. He, this was a presentation to um, the, uh, a, a large telecommunications firm, obviously going through lots of changes. And he used this phrase, he dropped this phrase. He said, we're, we're in an environment that's permanent whitewater. It's not a steady, it's not a change, steady state, change kind of environment where you catch your breath between it's permanent whitewater. And when he said this word whitewater, it really caught, caught my attention because I had grown up uh, since I was a teenager paddling whitewater rivers, paddling kayaks. And I knew that kayakers look at whitewater in a totally different way than other people do, that you might say ordinary people or sane people. And so if you were to look at, say, lava falls on the Colorado River going down the Grand Canyon, you would think there is no way you can get through this thing without being killed. It is just huge water, and it's all over the place, and it's massive confusion. But if you have a certain set of skills, you understand how to meet that environment in a way where it's not only, you not only can survive in going through it, you not only can live through it, which is what most people think of when they see turbulent environments, but that you can actually thrive in that environment. It's fun. There's play places. The bigger the water, the more the play. And so this is a whole shift in perspective. And there's a number of shifts in perspective that kayakers have, uh, like, you know, failing is not something that you avoid. It's something that you prepare for and you recover from quickly. You prepare to recover from it. Um, And so there's a whole shift in mindset from what we've typically uh, from what we typically have, most of us go into our go into our careers thinking that we're signing up on uh, on the crew of an ocean liner. We're a sailor, and we know our place. And as long as everyone does their job, you end up uh, being uh, everyone will be fine and safe and secure. And um, then they find themselves thrown into the water, and uh, it's a totally different environment. And if you aren't in white water now, um, you probably will be. And um, if you don't recognize that you're in whitewater, you're going to do all the wrong things. And that's what we describe in our book is how do you survive and thrive in this environment? And um, so the metaphor is really key to the book, but um, it draws upon Greg's experience in working with individuals, CEOs, and organizations in really addressing how do you, how do you, um, how do you work and live and thrive in fast-changing environments? I see. Well, then, Greg, why don't you tell me uh, what you would do if you're, you consider yourself a kayaker and you've, you've learned those skills, but you find yourself on an ocean liner commanded by a real old-time sailor. How do you deal with that situation? Let me just say one other piece and back to the metaphor, and then I'll, I'll talk about uh, direct about the question you ask. Um, one of the uh, implications of the metaphor that that uh, that Rob talked about, uh, which is actually one that uh, Peter Vale came up with many years ago, but what we've tried to do is both push the metaphor, 
but also introduce another metaphor, which is this kayaking metaphor, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, takes us into your question about what would you do. Um, and my uh, my flippant uh, or first response would be get out of there. Uh, because there are so few parts of the economy, uh, and we've learned yet again in the last few weeks that uh, you can have uh, Bear Stearns, you can have uh, Merrill Lynch, uh, you can have Lehman Brothers as a name on the door, uh, and you can put those on with all the other large names uh, that we've uh, watched go through extremely turbulent times over the last 30 years. So if unless you're in some remarkably exceptional part of the economy, uh, if you're on what feels like an ocean liner, uh, I, my first piece of advice would be get out of there uh, because in all likelihood they don't understand the world that they're in. And if they don't understand it, you're going to pay the price for that. So it's better for you to understand it and go someplace where other people do understand it. You tell the example or the tale of a CIO who approached a huge six-week project by telling his team to fin- spend the first week suspending or canceling all their other internal projects and commitments and then take a few days at the end of that week to go home, turn off their pagers and cell phones and relax and recharge. How is that CIO able to do that within the organization? And how would you recommend and w- or would you recommend such a strategy to most managers? So you asked how is he able to do this? Mm-hmm. And the way he was able to do this is very much linked to your last question, which was, He's working for a CEO who does understand that this is the environment and gave him room, namely the CIO room, to have a basic way that he operated, which involved careful contracting. Having been an external consultant, he was now an internal hire and allowed him to do careful contracting to try to manage the pace inside the group. That worked almost all the time. And it worked because uh, he was very good. He had a boss who understood the need to do this and that you could burn up your, these employees, and they had lots of job options. Um, and he had a way to do it, namely this, namely this, this uh, contracting. And he consciously spent time doing external benchmarking so people could tell that he was in the top 10% uh, of people in that kind of a function, in that kind of an organization. So he could prove he was doing very well. People inside knew he was on time and uh, often early and at or under budget. So he's internal and external measures. So that manages most of the whitewater. And then when this particular event occurs, he can actually act quite paradoxically. So when he talks to his staff about the fact that I want you to go cancel, postpone, delay, if you need anything for me to clear the decks, I'll do that. In, in that intervention, it's so unusual, it's so different from the way that he normally operates that he doesn't have to tell them it's important. He doesn't have to tell them that he cares about them. They got all that just from the way that he's talking. And he has a backup plan, which is this, as Rob will describe, uh, has uh, giving them the advanced time, taking the time off up front because they don't know if you can do it later. So it's multiple layers of his attempting to do the pacing, mm-hmm. both what was fairly creative in the beginning and having signing on with somebody who he knew would be would understand what he was trying to do. And then when that breaks down, he's got another way into to use Rob's language to move in, into the eddies about that. And yet he was able to say, I'm in Whitewater. My job might be CIO, but my real job, my real job is change. And unless I get the change right, my entire team is going to be burnt out. I'm going to be dealing with rapid turnover of staff. I'm not going to get anything done unless I concentrate on that first um, challenge. And one of the biggest challenges in a permanent whitewater environment is pacing. 
the water just races forward. And you see this and you know, with the technology that we have, the Blackberries and the email and this, the cell phones, everything is constant and it's nonstop and it's running at you. And in the old days on the ocean liner, sometimes you'd hit a storm and you'd have all hands on deck and everybody would be racing around to deal with an immediate crisis or change. And then you'd get some R&R, you'd get some time in your bunk. But now you can't promise people that anymore because the environment doesn't give you a natural pace. You have to learn to pace yourself. So how do you apply these principles, say, if you're a uh, trader at one of the financial firms uh, in, on Wall Street that's uh, finding so much difficulty uh, in, the, in the current crisis? Well, I, I think that uh, uh, it's more obvious now that we're in permanent whitewater. So if you, if you didn't realize it, more people actually realize it. And in a way, that can be a good thing because you're not looking to, to say, well, I'm at this investment bank and this will be my entire career and, um, and it'll be a stable situation. Um, and so, uh, but what's important to realize is even though it's more apparent now that we're in whitewater, it's, whitewater is a feature of the environment that goes through good times and bad. And um, Greg has some statistics on the, uh, uh, on the, the uh, job hirings and firings and during the, from 1998 to 2000, there were uh, 30 to 50% of companies were laying off people. They were hiring people, a lot of them were hiring people at the same time, but they were laying off. So there's this churn and turbulence that's, it, that's in the environment. And this was during sort of a white-hot period in the economy before the dot-com bust. And um, th this is a, still a period where there's a lot of companies doing layoffs, and, and uh, um, it's, a, it's a very turbulent environment. Um, so the specific question about what do, you, what do you say to somebody who's in this uh, environment, I think the, the principles that we have in the book, the, the guidelines for how you exist and live in permanent whitewater, are probably um, the, the, uh, the, what I would say would be what you want to follow in, in this environment. But there, there aren't any, it, it's a dangerous environment. This is not a simple, straightforward place. People get hurt in whitewater. People get killed in whitewater. And so th nobody's saying, oh, if you follow the, you know, if you learn how to paddle a kayak, you're going to be fine. You're, you're not. You're going to be better than you would be if you didn't learn how to paddle a kayak. And you're going to be able to figure out your way to actually meet this environment, meet this environment and recognize it for what it is. It's not a stable environment. It's not a steady state. Is not steady state, a little bit of change, steady state. It's permanent whitewater. Everybody's going to get wet. Everybody's going to get wet. <laughs> You're going to be without oxygen. But, hey, that's part of the fun of the environment. If you think that your career is uninteresting or it's going to stay in sort of a narrow path, it's going to be a lot more work but a lot more fun. There's a lot more opportunities to play the bigger the water is. And this is really big water that we're headed into. Um, and what you need to look for is... You need to recognize the environment and then look for the opportunities that it creates. Mm -hmm. Certainly in this, uh, one of the lessons would be that you can't predict the, spe the specific manifestation of what we're talking about as permanent whitewater. What you can predict is we're in permanent whitewater. 
So this time it's Wall Street. It's going to be some other time somewhere else. Uh, depending if we're in the 70s, we're talking about consumer electronics and the, uh, entering this world. If we're in the 80s, we're talking about healthcare and financial services and the first wave of deregulations. Uh, all that uh, is simply the manifestations in that particular moment of what is an overall in Gestalt. This is the, this is the background. This is what we're all playing in front of is this this kind of dynamic, and it's going to continue to drive due to changes in the uh, as we mentioned in the book in in uh, uh, globalization and in the uh, financial markets as well as the escalation of of technology. So to your specific question about what should that person do now. Uh, it's hard, it, that specific advice would be more open your eyes and take a look at the world that you're in, uh, which ideally they would have taken in before. Uh, right now, you're in a choice of whether you're going to confine yourself to what you thought was the worldview before, or you're going to move to a worldview that says, as Rob has uh, been explicating, that this is a rapidly changing world. And among other things, beside the skill base that we've talked about a bit, there's also it puts particular weight on networking, not in the sense of some kind of just schmooze, it means who knows that you're good and who do you know that's good. Mm -hmm. So when you want to construct the next trip, move to the next river that you're going to try to, to go down to stay with that image, where, where in your network can you go to do that? And these are people who view you as competent, who you view them as competent. These are people you want to reenter the river with. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming by today. I appreciate it. And lots of luck with the book. Thank you. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.